This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Science Weekly is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash scienceweekly today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scienceweekly. You don't need to have children or even siblings to know what it's like to be teased. You know, it's probably familiar to, to many of us with the kinds of lovingly messing around with someone else within, you know, a friendship, a relationship, some type of close relationship you have with another. We all know people who find it hilarious to prod and poke, pinch and tickle, or do any of those other fabulously annoying things, all in the name of fun. But are humans the only ones to tease each other? Or are other animals in on the act? So we were trying to find this space in the middle where apes are are kind of doing things, interacting with one another. They're not fighting, they're not sleeping, they're not grooming, but they're also not sort of wrestling in in a very active play context. After watching 75 hours of footage of great apes, scientists have concluded that they're just as keen on winding up their friends and family as we are. And the behavior could date back 13 million years. I like to say that what we're trying to do is to build a serious science of being non-serious. And, you know, I think the question of when and why should you be non-serious or should you sort of push that boundary is a great question. So today we're looking at the evolutionary origins of teasing and asking, given how annoying it is, why do we do it? I'm The Guardian's science editor, Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. 
many of the projects that I'm working on now sort of came out of the the pandemic. Um, I think this will probably ring true for many people. I think it was kind of dark days. And so a lot of the projects I started then were, were looking at the more positive side of life. That's Erica Cartmill, professor in anthropology, cognitive science and animal behaviour at Indiana University. While studying apes as a student at Jersey Zoo, she witnessed one particular interaction between a mother and child that really stayed with her and inspired her latest study. In this example, there was an infant orangutan and she was dangling from a rope with one hand, um, hanging over her mother. Her mother was lying on her back in some straw and the infant had a stick in one hand and she was of reaching it down and slowly waving it over the mother, and then the mother would reach up and then start to get the stick, and at the last second, the infant would pull it back. And I thought it was hilarious. You know, it looked just like a sort of tired mom dealing, like putting up with her toddler. And what actually really shocked me about it was that after a couple of minutes, the infant dropped the stick, and the mother then picked up the stick and started doing the same thing back to the infant. And that really stuck with me. The more I thought about it, it actually seemed like in each of those little reach with the stick and then pull back at the last second, it seemed to have the structure of a joke. Even in these very simple kinds of interactions, there are these moments that seem like the setup, right? You extend the thing and then a punchline, you pull it back. The expected, I'm giving you something, and the unexpected, I pull it back. So in the study that you've just published, you looked at the behavior of four different species of great apes and and specifically their sort of teasing interactions. How do you sort of physically gather that information and what were you hoping to learn? In this study, we used video gathered from captive populations of apes. When they're in a zoo setting, all of the food's been provided for them. All of the shelter has been provided for them. And so they have a lot more kind of time on their hands and they spend a lot more time playing. So we had this raw footage of apes interacting. We were particularly interested in things where one ape would approach another ape. They would do something. It it didn't result in aggression, but it also wasn't explicitly play. And you have identified 18 distinct teasing behaviors among these different great apes. Talk me through some of your favorites, as it were. I mean, I've, I've gone through the video. I'd encourage our listeners to look at the video. And I've read through the paper. There's some hilarious examples in there. I have a soft spot in my heart for the offer and retract, just because that was the sort of origin story of the whole project. You know, I love the like, oh, do you want this? Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. I also really enjoy uh, some behaviors where apes were interrupting the activity of another. To give you an example, there was um, a case where an adult ape was blocking the access to the holes that an infant was trying to to stick a tool into. And so what I found really amusing in, in this interaction, and because it, it's also one of the nice examples of an adult teasing an infant for an extended period of time is that the infant picks up the tool and is is kind of trying to go in the hole and the adult puts her hand up sort of at the last second like blocks the hole right and then the infant's like oh I'll go to another hole oh I'm gonna block it you know it seemed to be kind of just messing with the infant <laughs> um you know for fun in a way that I think you know is probably familiar to to many of us and the apes seem to have this 
this rule, which I think is a classic rule of teasing, actually, which is if you get no response from your target, then you do it again. And you may even do something more elaborate. I mean, I, and I'm thinking particularly of Aisha, this juvenile orangutan who was sort of hanging above her father, who was doing nothing, who was just sitting peacefully. And she was swinging this rope into his face and just gently banging it into his face. And he was just sitting there and just taking it. And it, it just, it was hilarious. But it, to anthropomorphize, it looked intensely annoying. But it, it was, she just kept on going, kept on going. It, yes, I, th I think, uh, I, do, I do love the video. Um, I think that this sort of escalation and how annoying something is, is, is a great characteristic of this playful teasing behavior. And I think, you know, when we started this project, we started using the word provocative. Teasing is is designed to provoke. And, you know, maybe we should use the word annoying instead. But, you know, but in trying to, to define, well, what do we mean by provocative, right? You can't just say like, oh, you know it when you see it. We thought about pulling together, you know, it can be explicitly this behavior or this behavior or this behavior. But it seemed like in the end, what was a better definition and actually helped us be sort of more reliable in our use of that term was something that's difficult to ignore. And this is clearly something, this kind of behavior is clearly something we share with apes. When do humans start doing this? I mean, a lot of juvenile apes are really leading, the, leading it in, in your study. When do humans start? That's a great question. And it's actually one of the things that we started with was looking to see what human children do. The thing that that these these kinds of interactions really resemble is what human infants are doing, you know, in the first year or two of life. And these interactions in human infants are nonverbal. So they're happening, you know, often before children even learn their first words. And there's a researcher at the University of Portsmouth, uh, Vasu Reddy, who has done beautiful work looking at these behaviors in infants. And she calls them clowning behaviors. And this is actually one of the things that we we started with was was her work on clowning, and she defines three types of behaviors in human infants that we looked for in apes, and we found evidence for these these behaviors in apes. So these were the offer and withdrawal, right? The extend and pull it back at the last second. Uh, something called provocative noncompliance, which I love. You know, it's just such a great term for basically like messing around with someone. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, going to do something I know I'm not supposed to do, or I'm going to violate some kind of social norm, or I'm going to use something in an unexpected and deviant way. So with children, that might be something like, you know, putting a shoe on your head as a hat. They sort of play around with what's normal and what's, uh, you know, not normal, and then look at, at the adults around them in expectation of a response. And so um, these kinds of teasing and, and clowning behaviors that you see in human infants are also reflected in the behaviors that you see in the other great apes. So humans and apes are both engaging in this playful teasing from a young age. But why? What purpose does it serve? Erica has a few ideas. One is that it's about testing social bonds. There are possibilities related to social relationships. You know, are you doing these behaviors to see how far you can push another individual? They can want to show off 
the closeness of your relationship with another, right? I'm doing this to show you all that like I'm really good friends with Susan. And uh, in fact, I'm such good friends that I can I can be annoying and she doesn't get mad at me. You know, those are, are kinds of things you might see in humans as well. It also might be possible that that these behaviors don't just serve to test and and broadcast the relationships that we have, but it could be that they also build those relationships. You see that in things like flirting, right? That that flirting is, I think, is a great example of a playful teasing behavior. That you're trying to figure out your relationship with someone else, but you're also trying to build that relationship. Another possibility is that this teasing is a way of learning what's socially acceptable. If you're doing it as an infant, yes, you're learning about that other individual, but you're also learning about what kinds of behaviors are normal, are possible, and are expected within your social group. And finally, Erica thinks it could be a way to hone their social skills. Lots of kinds of play seem to be about sort of practicing a a behavior and practicing a skill. And it could be that the skill that you're practicing here is, you know, social cognition, social awareness, that, you know, you're putting yourself in situations that are a little bit socially risky and seeing how well you do and that you're learning to to become more socially adept as you play with other individuals' reactions with their expectations over time. So presumably this behavior is important evolutionarily. I mean, it's in great apes, it's in humans. What do you think your study says about how ancient the roots of this might be? Well, I think given that we see teasing appear in very similar ways across the great apes, including humans, I think that we can be fairly confident in saying that that these behaviors are at least 13 million years old, which is the time at which we last shared an ancestor with orangutans, which are the great ape that it's the that's the most distantly related from humans. I think the big question is whether those types of behaviors have evolved, you know, in unique ways within the, you know, the primate lineage, um, and in particular, the sort of lineage of the, of the great apes over the last 13 million years, or whether these are things that emerge in many social species um, that, you know, are quite distantly related. So I, I think it's very likely that you also see these sorts of behaviors in parrots, in dolphins, in elephants, in dogs. And that it isn't because they all share a close evolutionary history with humans. It's because they're, you know, big-brained social animals that have long childhoods, um, that have complex relationships with other individuals and and live in big social groups where you have to learn how to navigate relationships, where you have to 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 form uh, friendships with other individuals in order to to navigate the complexities of the world that you live in. So I hope in many ways that this work will inspire people to gather data on other species so that we can learn how, the playful teasing that they might exhibit resembles or differs from the kinds of things that we see in the great apes. This is wonderful stuff. Thanks so much for coming on and taking us through it all. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And yeah, I hope um, I hope that your listeners are intrigued and amused. And, you know, I hope that they have examples of their own that that they're happy to share with you. 
Thanks again to Professor Erica Cartmill. And we put a link to the video from the study on the podcast page at theguardian.com. And that's all from us today. The producer was Josh Anchana. The sound design was by Tony Onachuku. And the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. Hey, it's Mike here, one of the hosts of The Guardian's award-winning daily news podcast, Today in Focus. Every weekday morning, we bring you a single story, going beyond the headlines and taking you closer to The Guardian's global journalism. Combining personal storytelling with analysis, we take you inside the stories that matter most. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.